because I travel a lot for work, but I always like to say I get my mail here. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka the Raj Nation. I am your show's host, the founder of Raj Nation Innovation, as well as a hip hop artist and a yoga instructor. Above all else, I am a storyteller. And I am joined by my co host, Victoria Cohen. Victoria is the voice behind the blog almondsandasana.com. She is a fellow yogi and a community activist focused on helping you make lifestyle choices that positively impact you and the people you serve. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. Is real talk with real people doing real big things to uncover the real side of success. Now, before we dive into today's conversation, I would like to extend an invitation if you are not a member already. Join our tribe by going to discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Enter your email address there, and you will never miss another episode of the show, getting a notification in your inbox every single Monday when we launch a new episode. You'll also get my stories, advice, and tips throughout the month on how you as a startup can make your pitch a performance. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation on today's episode of Discover Your Inner Awesome. Welcome, everybody, to Discover Your Inner Awesome. This week, we have a bonus episode to share with you that's going to be a lot of fun. It's a little bit different than what we usually do on the show. We have Jonathan Pritchard joining us. Jonathan is a business consultant specializing in psychology for business, and he's the author of the book, Think Like a Mind Reader, Today's episode is How Do You Think Like a Mind Reader, which I'm sure in reading that you're probably like, wow, where is this one going? But I promise it's uh, it's going to be very interesting and you're probably going to have your mind blown. So with that said, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. We are super stoked to have you on and, and talk through some of this stuff. We met at, well, we've met a couple times now at different conferences, but um, you know, really the last time we met was at the Fund Conference in Austin, Texas earlier this year. Um, you actually pulled me on stage where you were the MC at the conference and did an insane Rubik's Cube trick that I've told a lot of people about since. And I still <laughs> and can't figure it out. they all think you're lying, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all trying to figure it out. But um, so, you know, you, you do these different things in the business world, which is, and you, you know, you're a performer as well around the idea of essentially being like a mind reader or a mentalist, um, creating, you know, using the art of illusion to, to blow people's minds more or less, but you've been using it more in a business context now. So can you kind of give our listeners just like a 10,000 foot overview of sort of what it is that you do today? The, the question I like to ask people is, how would your life or business be better if you could actually read minds, right? Like where, where would that help? Right. So then they, they just kind of sit there and go, oh, oh, man, 
uh, marketing would be so much easier. I would be able to engage my employees so much easier. I would I would know what motivates them, right? Just this laundry list of things that you'd be so much better at if you could actually read minds. And then I, I let them talk it out and then go, that's what I help you do. <laughs> so it's it's really quick to the point because that's exactly what I do. I basically help them think like a mind reader without being psychic. You just get so good at communication and asking people questions to understand how they think about the world. Then that gives you everything you need to know on how to communicate with that person most effectively, which helps them get what they want, which helps you get what you want. And it's a win-win for everybody involved. So what's interesting about this, and just for those of you guys listening in, right before we started this, he um, played a little, not a trick, a car, I don't know what you call it. A miracle. A miracle. A miracle. (laughs) um, Which was super cool and a little mind-blowing. So I've already gotten a little taste of, of what he's up to. But what I'm curious about is to know, I think, a little more about how you got into it. Like, is this, it sounds like this is something that you can sort of teach and learn and not like you are a medium of some kind who like had a connection to spirits or something or I don't know like tell us how that how that came to be right a lot of people say oh my goodness you must have had the gift or you're so talented and absolutely not like this is a hard won skill that anybody can develop anybody can learn if they want to put the time in to get it. That's it. So I kind of got into it way back when I was 13. I learned how to juggle fire. I learned how to hammer nails up my nose when I was 15. I was eating fire at 18. year old activities. Yeah, you know, like you do. But (laughs) I, I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina where there wasn't really anything else to do. And after school, I would just sit at the library until mom was done with work. And I just read magic books all afternoon, every day. And it was just the most interesting thing I had ever discovered. So I I started out doing magic tricks and then in high school got interested in mind reading tricks because that seemed to freak people out the most. And then in college, I got interested in why magic tricks are even possible in the first place. Like what is wrong with our wiring that makes it seem like somebody could read our minds. So I worked with a guy by the name of James Randi that has a million dollar challenge to anybody who claims to be genuinely psychic or have kind of supernatural powers. Well, I designed testing protocol for that challenge and saw every way that people were trying to scam their way to the money and thought, I can do these scams better than they can. And then that's how I got into the the show side of things. So then flash forward, being on the road 10 years, touring the world, entertaining the troops overseas, performing on Vegas main stages, all that stuff. I realized, you know, I'm helping people forget their problems for an hour and it's awesome. But then they go right back to their problems. But the applied psychology I use on stage is exactly what people need to understand about communication, relationship building, trust building, just everything that dictates the quality of your life and business. Wait a minute. If I teach people how these techniques and principles work, now I can give them the tools to make their life better long term and level up to more interesting problems. So that's really the moment where I woke up and went, 
you know what, I have to share what it is that I know from working on it my whole life because what seems totally natural to me about how to think about problems and, and problem solving seems totally foreign to most people. So that's why I wrote the book, Think Like a Mind Reader, which kind of explains how all this stuff works from a fundamental psychological wiring standpoint. Really interesting. This just reminds me of a book I just finished reading. I don't know if you've read it called Into the Magic Shop. Have you heard of this? No. Okay, you should no. you should totally read it because this guy's story is kind of kind of similar to yours in a slightly different way. A re, a, a real guy. Um he was a surgeon and he a brain surgeon, um but he was like super poor growing up and as a little kid right around like similar age to you, probably middle school, he got really into magic and one day he goes into this magic shop and the the woman who's the mother of the owner um says, you know, I'm going to if you commit to coming every day this summer, I'm going to like teach you the greatest magic trick. And she essentially teaches him like kind of meditation and how to like manifest whatever, like whatever he wants in life. And so he kind of goes through the whole story of how he does that and how he becomes this like insanely successful, um, uh, surgeon and all of these things. But then ultimately how there were some like things that he wasn't doing right. And anyways, but the whole point was that she said, if I teach this to you, you have to share it eventually with someone else. And so he writes a whole book about it. So anyways, you should check it out because it's a very interesting um, story that you might That's like. cool. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned you were into magic and then you thought the mind reading stuff was more interesting. Where do you do, try to draw the line and say, this is magic, this is mind reading? The difference between magic and mind reading, I like to say, uh, well, man, we're about to get into this whole beef in the magic world. Um, <laughs> so the umbrella term I like to use is mystery entertainer. And then you've got underneath that, you've got magician over here and over here, you've got mentalist mind reader kind of a thing. And the quickest way to explain the difference between the two is when a magician does something, people go, wow, how did you do that? When a mentalist does something, people ask, how did you know that? Mostly magicians do tricks with things, objects, animals, right? Mentalists do tricks with information. It's all just information management. That's all it is. I have to manage what information you know about what it is that I know or don't know. And, and it's just nothing but managing people's perception of what they think they know. That's, that's really all it boils down to. I can definitely, you know, as you explain it like that, I can definitely see how that applies to the business world, particularly, I would think, uh, in sales, right? And mark and and marketing, and it's funny you mentioned that sort of like what you know piece because I, I you know I I either read or heard a talk recently around wh where the person said or wrote marketing is just managing people's expectations, and it sounds like as you talk through sort of the the philosophy behind this the mind reading aspect it's really around like how do you how do you manage and frame people's expectations in a certain way to draw them to the conclusion you want them to come to. Exactly. So, so here's a, a kind of an abstract thing that we can like apply concretely, which is here's the secret to every single magic or mind reading trick you've ever seen in your life. I, I like to say magician because most people kind of have a grasp on, oh, I know what a magician is, but mentalist is, is 
too weird, right? So I said the magician, same thing. I was like, what is a mentalist exactly? <laughs> right, right. So shorthand, we're just using magician, uh, but this applies to all mystery arts, right? So the, the magician creates a context for the audience to make logical assumptions that are later shown to not be true. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the secret to every trick you've ever seen in your entire life. And in the context of a magic show, that is a good thing. You want that, right? You go there specifically for the agreement that, okay, this guy's going to lie to me and it's going to be great. In any other context, that's a bad thing. But magicians are phenomenal communicators because in order for the lie to work, it has to be perfect. So in order to make that lie perfect, the magician has to spend who knows how long studying exactly what reality, what the truth is, so that he can perfectly craft the lie. Mm -hmm. So in order to be a really good communicator, you have to totally understand exactly what it is you have to get across and then use every tool in your kit that you can use to clearly communicate exactly and only that idea, right? So whether it's in marketing or sales, you have to create a context for your prospective client to make logical assumptions and then show them why those logical assumptions are true, right? That's just a little tweak that you got to make. So you really have to understand how your prospective client is approaching the information that you're presenting So if you present the wrong information at the wrong time, that's way wrong. Or you could present the right information at the wrong time, and that's wrong. So you have to present the right information at the right time in the right sequence to naturally create the buying behavior or whatever it is you want your client to do. You just got to build exactly the right context for that behavior to be the most logical option for them to take. That makes a ton of sense to me. Can you, you know, for the person who's listening and is like, well, this guy just said you have to create the lie. How do you, can, can you kind of dispel that and, and talk in the business world how you're not doing this by lying to people or, you know, creating lies? So, so two things. The lying is unethical outside of any other context, right? That's why in the context of a theater show, lying is okay. Like that person isn't actually King Lear. He's Carl who loves acting. And at the end, he comes out and takes his bow. So in a theater performance, we all agree that this isn't real. We're here to have fun. Outside the theater, lying is not okay. That's the huge difference. The second part is in order for a lie to work perfectly, it has to be perfectly crafted. And most people don't take that much care and attention to the truth that they communicate because they think, hey, I use words, I'm a great communicator, which is, it it couldn't be farther from the truth. Most people are very lackadaisical about their communication skills because they think because I use words, therefore people understand what I'm saying. And whatever that quote is, Uh, The greatest travesty in communication is the illusion that it's happened, Mm -hmm. right? So most people aren't as good of a communicator as they think, and they don't spend time really understanding what it is that they're communicating. 
So the point that that I'm pointing to, like the the thing is take great care in understanding how your message is coming across and how you've built your sales process to clearly communicate the truth as effectively as possible, as quickly and efficiently as possible in as clear a manner that the client will understand, not how you want to say it, but how you need to say it in order to communicate it to the person as clearly as possible, which means you've got to see through their eyes and imagine how they're hearing what it is that you're saying. So that's the think like a mind reader part of it, where you have to put yourself in their shoes in order to tell the truth most effectively. Yeah. And what I'm getting from that is like, we keep calling it sort of like truth and lie in terms of like, uh, from a, from a, you know, magic or performing arts perspective. But from a business perspective, it sounds like it's more just showing what the assumption is and then what, what the, the point or the reality or the truth or whatever you want to call it is that you're trying to make, um, to your, to your audience, whether that's your client or whoever you're trying to convince, right? So it's not necessarily like truth versus lie. It's like, you know, what the perceived expectation is versus what you're able to, to prove. Yes. It's, it's clarity versus confusion. Mm -hmm. If you present the wrong information at the wrong time or anything other than the right information at the right time, you're just going to create confusion. And then people just, they're not going to buy. So you have to start at the end. What is the behavior or thing, belief that I want them to have? And then you work backwards. How am I going to make that happen? And then that's how you design a really clear campaign or design a really good website that gets people to do what it is you want them to do. You don't think, hey, I've got this tool or I've got this idea. So now I'm going to put it to use and what can I do with it, right? That's completely backwards. That's why most people go, oh, I've got email marketing. I'm going to use email marketing. Well, what am I going to do with it? It's like, no, figure out what you want your business to do, then figure out the best mediums and then figure out the best strategies and tactics for that medium that gets the biggest result and then make it work that way, right? Because a magic trick, if the audience is confused at all, at any point in the process, there's no magic to it. They just go, well, I'm not really sure what was happening. He said, what's that over there? I looked away and came back and then there was a tiger on stage. <laughs> I'm confused, what's, what's the deal? But a really good trick is very clear. No, man, there were no tricky moves. I didn't look away for a second. He moved so slowly. The box was empty. He closed the lid. He opened it. There was a tiger in there. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So you want a clear effect. You don't want any confusion at any point along the way. Well, I think it's interesting the way you said that I could so picture like we've all probably been to a magic show or seen one on TV and like, you know, again, holding up the cards or holding up the box, making it super obvious. Look, this is empty or this is what you're seeing or, you know, really over exaggerating, like you said, to set up the clarity of it. And so that's an interesting sort of visual to take with you when you're going to be communicating your storytelling of just making it that clear and obvious. Right. And and when you've been doing it for a while you start to learn the things people tell themselves to explain it 
Like, okay, well, there. I didn't look away, but it was sitting on the stage, so I'm sure he used a trap door. Mm-hmm. So then the next time you do the trick, you you lift it up off the ground. And then part of your presentation is some of the smart people out there think that I use trap doors, which is why it's three feet off the ground. You can see above it, below it, beside it, everything. And now you've eliminated that explanation Mm -hmm. for how people would think you do the thing. So as you refine your marketing message, as you refine your sales process, you have to figure out the ways that you're confusing people or it's going sideways in a wrong way. And then you have to solve that problem. And then as you solve those small problems, your process gets more and more effective and you start seeing results that look impossible to other people, well, it's just because they haven't been through that process of really thinking through the problem and seeing all the ways that it that it has failed, right? So, so that's why I, I go, well, you know, magic is only impossible to the audience. To the magician, it's just another day at the office. So in your business, whatever results you want that seem impossible, well, there's somebody else doing it, right? They have the strategy, they have the technology, they have the skills. You just have to make yourself valuable to that person for them to teach you how it is they make the impossible happen. This idea of, you know, I'm vibing on a lot of what you're saying, especially this idea of almost like the showmanship angle within the business context. So like Victoria, you talked about how like how the magician will show you, like they're very clearly show you this is what the thing is before they do something with it. And to me, that, that what I think about in the business world is when I'll work with, um, with SaaS companies who are, the way they sell is through a live demo, like a, they do a, like a screen share on the computer. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I'll be, say is like, you have to control the screen. You cannot let your audience start getting really nosy and asking, what's that? What's that? What's that? Because now you've lost control of the screen. And if you're not talking about it, it shouldn't be on the screen. So you got to you know, control the screen, control the scroll so that they don't start poking around to try and, and, and it's not get to say like, yeah, yeah, get ahead of you. Right. Cause you need to control the narrative for them. If they create their own narrative, now you don't have something really to sell them now. Right. You're exactly you've got all these components that they're trying to piece together themselves. I, I worked at Pepsi for five or six years, and usually before a meeting, like a whoever created the deck or something would, you know, they would say, "Okay, send that out before so everyone can take a look at it first. And like, I don't know, I I haven't been in that environment for a year and a half now, but I sort of wonder if, yeah, maybe is that really the right way to go about it? I mean, the idea being then you can come in prepared with questions or thoughts or whatever, but maybe that's just allowing people to create the story and the narrative that's not exactly the one you were planning on telling, unless like your slides are perfect already or something. Exactly. Well, to me, it's, oh my goodness, you, you just, you brought up a whole basket of, of my pet peeves. Um, because first is, look, I'm a great presenter. My presentation is not the PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. If it were the PowerPoint, I would just send the PowerPoint and let it do all the work. But we're human beings. We communicate most effectively effectively face-to-face. You hear tone of voice, see body language. You've got that whole context 
for the full bandwidth of what it is I'm trying to communicate. My PowerPoint or my Google Slides, which I use exclusively because it's amazing, <laughs> it's there to support whatever it is I'm communicating. So when people go, yeah, just send me the deck, what they're really saying is, yeah, I want to be lazy and just uh, do it on my own terms. It's like, well, you don't know this as well as I do, and you absolutely have to be there for the experience. So if you're going to send something early, have something that points to the content of what you're going to be saying and communicating so that they can understand why it is they're showing up, but they're not going to be able to get ahead of you at that point. Right. So that way it's a support instead of a supplant. Right. (laughs) They're they're supplanting the process. Um, But on on terms of controlling the narrative, I like to think of it as as a performer, as a speaker. It is my job to manage the experience of that thousand people in that room. And that is what I'm really good at. And people want me to be really good at that because think of it like the pilot of an airplane. If the pilot comes on and goes, Hey everybody, we're going to 50,000 feet. We'll be arriving at 2:47 PM local time and uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the, the flight. Everybody goes, boy, I can, I can actually relax. That's great. But if the pilot comes on and goes, um, I'm, I'm hitting some buttons here and uh, <laughs> we'll get the, the plane started, I think. And, um, we'll be, uh, I think we'll be in the air, right? You just like, uh, I'm off. I'm out. Nope. No, thanks. So you, you've got to know exactly where you're going, how you're going to get there, and have the skills to do it. And if you don't manage that experience, you're exactly right. The audience will take control because they don't feel comfortable relaxing into the control of the presenter. So if you're a, a, a SaaS company and you're doing that demo – Yeah, you cannot let them be in control because they don't know what this dynamic is. So you absolutely have to direct and manage their experience to get them from point A to point B to point C instead of going to point Z and going, hey, this would really make more sense if there were a B. You know, there is a B. You just skipped ahead to the end there, guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, So you absolutely have to manage that experience. And and uh, direct their attention to the right places, which hits on a huge part of how people misunderstand magic. They go, oh, it's all just misdirection. He, he's making me look over here so that I don't see what's happening over there. But really, misdirection is a misnomer. I don't want to pull your attention away from something. I want to create an area of interest that you desperately want to look at naturally, which naturally leads your attention there as opposed to that spot where things are going on that I don't want you to notice. So leading people's attention through making them interested in this thing is so much better than trying to think about how can I get them to look away from this point. Why don't we take some time now and Jonathan, why don't you manage our expectations, control the narrative for us, and give us a good experience? Can we go through some some mind reading uh, tricks of yours, or if, I don't know if you call them tricks or not, but can we go through some exercises? 
Yeah, I, I like to just kind of call them demonstrations, demonstrations. right, of, of psychological techniques and, and all that kind of fun stuff. And, um, and but, caveat for everyone listening, Jonathan is with us via Skype. So for whatever happens here, if you're like, oh, but they're in the same room, they can see what's going on. We are on Skype audio right now. Yep, yep. There's there's absolutely uh, no visual feedback. There's there's no, oh, he's just reading body language, nothing like that. Um so we'll we'll kind of walk through this and then I can break it apart for you. Um, magic tricks, uh, another difference is the magician can do magic most of the time whether or not there's an audience, right? The tiger doesn't care if there's an audience or not. It's just going to come out of the box. Who cares, <laughs> right? A, a mentalist only can do what a mentalist does because there are people who are willing to dance with them, Right. So for for you guys, there's there's some heavier lifting that needs to happen, right? So uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is, um, if you do, you guys have paper and pen on your end of things. Yep. This way, you can communicate with each other, so that I I don't hear what's going on. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what I'd like you guys to do is to just uh, pick a number. Right. Just kind of write write that number down. Uh, you can start small because we're going to do a whole bunch of crazy stuff to it to just totally mix it up and, and go crazy with it. So uh, whatever number that is, uh, I'd like you to just double it. Okay. And um, let's see, we'll add 10 to it. Had to do some math there real quick. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, we're there. Okay, cool. And uh, why not, uh, let's see, we'll divide by two. Okay. And let's see, just subtract the original number from it. All righty. Okay, and whatever number you've got there. Um, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Right, crazy. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, we'll we'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. Um, do you guys want to add? Do you want to multiply? What do you want to do? Victoria, I'll leave it on you in your hands. Um, let's add. Add. Okay. Um, add a hundred to it. Okay. And then, what else do you want to do to it? Do you want to multiply, divide? What What do you want to do? Let's subtract. Can we subtract? Yeah, Th yeah. Th things uh, we can do in our head. <laughs> right, right. Um, so let's subtract 30 from it. <laughs> We're like, wait, do we get that? Oh, uh, there we go. Right? That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes. We okay, have the we're same good. Number. Okay. Okay, and now uh, multiply by 10. Okay. And what do you want to do now? Let's add on. Yeah. That's, that's more addition. Add? Yeah. Okay. Um, so now let's just add, we'll say 13. Okay. All right. So you would say this is super random, crazy. Uh, there's no way that you would know where we would end up. Right. 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 Um, and you're on your side, I'm on my side, and you guys even called the shots. 
um, totally mixed up from where you started to where we ended up, right? Yes. So if my psychic intuitions are correct, um, are you guys thinking of 763? Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It's really weird. See, so and, we, and we've me- started with different numbers. Keep yeah, in mind. yeah, yeah. We started because you just said pick a number, right? <laughs> right. That's awesome. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> That's crazy, right? So math could potentially be confusing, but I have to be very clear about what process we're about to do, and then also give you time to do the thing, right? Because a lot of times whatever process you wind up using either in sales or marketing or even presentations, a lot of times you get so used to the process, you forget that your audience is experiencing it for the first time. So you don't give them enough time and enough space to fully engage with what's happening and then process it, be okay with it and then be ready for the next step. You know where the end is, and you want to get there as quickly as possible, and it makes so much sense to you. Why are we taking so much time? Come on, let's go. And then you blow past everybody else and then wonder why you're at the destination alone, right? So you've got to give people time to literally process what it is that is happening for the first time for them, and then once they're ready, then take the next step. Right. But if you just go it's step one, step two, step three, step four, be like, whoa, 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 what? What is go- all right, I'm off. I'm out. And then you won't have the the proper effect. Yeah, and you'll notice too, like, you know, as you say that, right? Any good public speaker, they don't rush through what they're saying. They have specific pauses when they talk. They allow the audience time to process what they've just said, especially if it's a key point, they'll kind of sit on it and it'll let it sink in and then they'll right. move forward. Right, right. I, I like to say a good presenter is always speaking with the audience. A bad one just goes, well, I know exactly what I'm going to be saying. Well, the worst is, well, I'm just going to read this wall of text off the PowerPoint. Ugh, kill me now. But a good <laughs> presenter shares an idea, watches the reactions of the audience, and then speaks to that reaction. They seem befuddled. Let me clarify. Let me use another example to try to show them how it applies. Oh, I see more nodding heads. Excellent. So you guys get it. Perfect. Right. So it's always a conversation with your audience rather than just talking at them. I, I, I actually think I get how you did that. See, and with that's the number. I and that's that the out. other fun part of it, <laughs> right, is when you give people enough time mm-hmm. and leave them with the evidence, they now have the details that they can use to reconstruct it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is really Kind of the the point I was hoping that you guys would get to, but I wasn't going to point to it myself. Yeah. Um, everybody out there in podcast land could rewind it 50 times and then go, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Right. Which you don't have that liberty in meat space. Mm-hmm. 
right? So if we did this by ourselves on the move in real time, face to face, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to dissect the experience, right? Which is another great point of success leaves clues. Whoever it is that's doing the thing you want to do, there are ways to find out what it is they're doing and then copy and paste and make that process work for you. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can get in touch with you and learn more about your work? Yeah, the best place to do that is to go to thinklikeamindreader.com. That is kind of the landing site for my book and the video course that is complementary to the book. Uh, you can do either or or both. That's great. Um, but that's kind of the first place to go. And then from there, you can find my kind of speaking site, which is likeamindreader.com. You can see a pattern forming. <laughs> and from there, uh, you can find all the different uh, spokes to the wheel of different passion projects I have because I'm just absolutely fascinated by people and why they do what they do. And every project that I have is just a different expression of that same fascination. It'd be funny if you, from there, the next website was mindreader.com until we ultimately end up at reader.com. <laughs> and it turns oh, man, out you're owned by Reader's perfect. Digest. <laughs> right, right, exactly. All right, so then to wrap up, um, could you give our audience your top one to three takeaways from this concept of how in the business world, how a startup could can utilize this idea of thinking like a mind reader to their advantage to achieve uh, success. Always question your assumptions. And that is very difficult to do without outside perspectives because you don't even know what it is you think you know that isn't true. And it's really difficult to do that by yourself. So that's why it's so important to have a, a intellectual board of directors, a group of trusted people that understand your mission, what you're all about, and how you're trying to do it. And if they've been there, done that even better, right? So get a, a variety of perspectives from people who are living a life or leading a business that you would want to have yourself. Otherwise, you're just taking bad advice, right? <laughs> so, so that box that everybody's saying that uh, you, you've got to think outside of, you can't think outside the box. You can never think outside the box because that box is your frame of reference and context that dictates the meaning of the experience. Right? So in the context of a magic show, that's the box you're in. In the context of a business, that's the box you're in. So the only way to think outside your box is to climb into somebody else's box and make sure that's a box or a process or a relationship or a dynamic that you want to crawl inside of. Jonathan Pritchard, this was tremendous. Thank you for giving us a mind trip there. I'm sure our listeners, and I, and I hope as listeners, as you as you play this back, I hope you kind of do that exercise along with us with your own paper and pen and see if you come to the same result. I imagine you would. Um, but but thank you very much for joining us. This is fantastic. Dude, thank you so much for, for letting me share my thoughts. I appreciate it. 
That wrapped up our conversation. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, therefore more people get to discover their inner awesome. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen, whether that is iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or the various other podcasting platforms in which you can find the show. For full show notes, references, and resources from this episode, you can grab it all at discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Also check out our 100-plus episode archive while you're there. whole lot of awesome for you to dig into. That'll do it for this one. Thank you again to our guests for joining. For Victoria Cohen, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today.